Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. Good morning. It's good to see you all uh, on this Thanksgiving weekend. Um, I know, uh, really wanted to welcome you here if you're here in person, and also if you're online, we really appreciate you being here today. I know um, it's interesting, one of the um, blessings of this pandemic um, is that usually before the pandemic, we would have about 1,500 people that would be in service or um, be online watching our service. Well, since the pandemic, that has almost doubled to about 3,000 people on a weekend uh, or either less people here in person, but more online. So we appreciate those joining us online, your willingness to share our services. It's really making an impact. So uh, I'm excited to speak today. I know I'm changing the dress code a little bit here at Hillside, but it was cold this morning. I'm going to leave my jacket on, believe it or not. Unless I get too riled up here, then I may shed it. Um, one thing I wanted to start out with today is to do a little game show. So when I grew up, Um, one of the things that was on our calendars as a family every week to watch on TV was this um, game show called Name That Tune. Anybody remember that? Yeah, you're dating yourself if you said that. So uh, every week we would watch this uh, game show, Name That Tune, and if you remember, this is how it went. You would get a clue, and you would have to say how many notes you could name that tune based upon the number of notes you were given. So I want to play that a little bit today with you. So, um, and Zung's going to help us here and, and pound out that tune for us to see who knows this. So let me give you the clue. And somebody came up to me first service and said that's not true, but I checked this on Wikipedia, and it's definitely, if, you, if it's on Wikipedia, it's got to be true, <laughs> right? So um, let me give you the clue and see how many of you, and we'll see how many notes you need to name this tune. So... This song was released in 1988 and was the first a cappella song. You've got to remember, this wasn't, Ro- if you, when you hear this song, it wasn't when Robin Williams did it. This is a, the first a cappella song to reach number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, which held that position for two weeks. Who can name that tune? Let's start in six notes. Anybody stand up here in person or... Online, you can, any, anybody name that in six notes or less? Six notes? No one? Can't believe it. Huh? Anybody name it or willing to say it? Okay, let me give you a clue. Okay, it was done for the first time a cappella with his own voice by a guy named Bo- Bobby McFerrin. Can anybody name that now? All right, stand up. Can you name it, it Will, and how many notes do you need? Do you know it offhand? All right, what's, give him one note. Seeing. Okay, what's the song, Will? What? Don't worry, be happy. Very good. Give Will a hand. So, yeah, play that a little bit. For our younger generation, play that a little bit, Zong, so they can. There you go. Some of you now say, oh, yeah. All right, very good. Give Zung a hand. I appreciate him doing that. So, in that song, um, you know, Bobby McFerrin sings, in every life we have some trouble, 
But when you worry, you make it double. So don't worry, be happy. So the title of our message today is kind of a, a same, similar theme. It's, but the Apostle Paul that we're going to look in Scripture changes that up a little bit. And he says, don't worry, be thankful. And so, and we're going to look at two verses in the book of Philippians today that really see what, what, why Paul says, don't worry, be thankful. Because it's in the text of Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And if you look, it reads like this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. So this verse actually, some guys in my D group right now are memorizing and meditating on this. Um, so we look at that first statement in verse 6 that Paul says, and he says, be anxious for nothing. So you've got to understand when Paul writes this letter to the church of Philippi, you've got to understand the setting and where and when Paul wrote this because he's in prison right now, in Rome. He goes to Rome really feeling like God's called him because, because Rome is the principal area of that, that society and he thinks he's going to Rome to be the, you know, to share the platform, to share the gospel with so many influential people. And he gets put in prison, and he doesn't get out. In fact, he's in prison writing this letter, and it's actually, you know, it says that Paul gets chained to a different guard every eight hours. So what's Paul do in the situation that he's in? He actually reaches out. And he begins to share the gospel with each guard, each person that comes and visits him, visits him. And people come to know Christ, and the gospel just spreads from Rome out. Probably not how Paul thought it would be, but he leads many of them to Christ. And you see how Paul, if you read the scriptures, Paul had a lot of things to be anxious about. If you read in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you start in verse 25, you see Paul had gone through a lot in his life. He starts listing those things. He received five times 39 lashes. He was three times beaten by rods. Says he's there. He had all kinds of dangers that he had gone through, being shipwrecked three times. Just, you just see this list of things that Paul had gone through. So Paul had plenty of things to be anxious about, and now he's sitting in a Roman prison, and he is writing this book of Philippi to the church of Philippi, and they're experiencing some anxiousness of themselves in the early church, in their conversion to Christianity. Many had lost their jobs. Many had lost their families. Some of them that owned businesses lost their businesses because of their faith in Jesus Christ. They were being physically persecuted because of their faith. So as we come here today, we have some anxious moments in our life right now. With COVID-19, you know, the, the fear of getting the virus yourself or, or, your, or a family member getting the virus. Um, even this week, you know, um, just things have changed. So I'm kind of pinch hitting today. I was not supposed to speak initially. But... God orchestrated that I think I'm here for a reason this morning. So 
I just think, and this week has been a crazy week. I don't know about you guys. Thanksgiving just got all changed on Wednesday. Um, and um, I know a lot of you are going through stressful times right now with the loss of a job. Or if you own your own business and you see, um, you know, some of that going away and de- decreasing. So we have a lot to be, quote, anxious about in our society or in our day and age. But when Paul says that we should be anxious about nothing, there's a difference between being concerned and being anxious. We, could be, we should be concerned about our health and take pro- what precautions we can. We should be concerned about our loved ones. We should be concerned about those that have lost jobs. We should be concerned about small businesses and their drop in income. But concern and worry are two different things. Worry is concern going haywire. Concern you own, worry owns you. And it says that we are not, though, to be anxious about anything. And then we see these two conjunctions in this, in this text where right after it says, be anxious for nothing, he says, but, and then right in the middle of the verse, the first st- start of the second, uh, se- second verse, uses the con- conjunction and. The but is going to provide us two alternatives to being anxious, and the and is going to provide us the result of doing those two alternatives. But let's go to the end of the text and see the result of doing those two alternatives first. We see that it will provide the peace of God which will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So that word guard in the Greek text comes from a military word, and it's a military word that um, an army would surround a city in those days to protect it from enemies' attacks. So when they found an enemy was coming that way, they would send the army around the complete city and protect it and guard it. For me, I was thinking about how I relate to that this week, and I was like thinking about a fighter having his guard up. So I'll tell you a little um, story from my childhood. I had a um, great family upbringing in that my, my grandparents owned a country store. And so every Friday night, um, all my mom and dad and all my aunts and uncles would come to the country store on Friday night and they would get their groceries. Well, us as all their cousins and kids got to go out and just, usually it was playing the sport of the, that was in season. Well, one time, and, and, we, and in that day and age, I don't know about you, but boxing was really big. Like, I can't even tell you who the heavyweight champion of the world is in boxing right now. I don't even know who it is. But back in those days, you were following Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. You know, you hear Muhammad Ali say, Joe Frazier. And you hear um, into Larry Holmes and then, you know, into Mike Tyson. And it was a big deal of watching boxing. And, what, and, and um, the TV at that time started showing Friday night. Muhammad Ali made it really popular to show heavyweight champion um, um, bouts on a Friday night. So we would love watching those and watch boxing. Well, one night, one day, and I don't know where we found them, but we found my grandfather's boxing gloves. And so me and my cousins 
Uh, I had two other cousins that were about my same exact age. And so we find these boxing gloves and say, hey, let's the sport of the season. Let's have some boxing. And so I'll never forget it because my two cousins start the first bout, and I just happened to notice that one of my cousins, when my other cousin would try to hit him with a body shot, he would actually go like here and try to, try to block him. I noticed that. So the next bout is me and the cousin who drops his guard. So first thing I did was I got my gloves and I faked a shot to his gut. And he dropped his guard. And, and I'll never forget it. I, I still have, I think I need counseling on it. But I just waylaid my cousin. And you see those pictures of the little birds that go around when you get knocked out. I knocked him out. And I still think about that. But you know why? Because he dropped his guard. He dropped his guard. And that's what this text is talking about, to keep your guard up. So as we look at this today, I, wonder, I want to really to re, you to remember that we have two guards that can protect us to keep the peace of God in our lives. Prayer and praise. Prayer and praise. And as we need to keep those two guards off, to, to, to keep those two guards up to fight off the anxiousness in our life. And the lies that Satan will tell us about in our minds and hearts, we have to keep those guards of prayer and praise up. But let's look at that. The first one is prayer. And it talks about there, in everything by prayer and supplication. And prayer there in, in the Greek talks about a face-to-face with God. It is the opportunity we have to come into God's holy presence, into the holy of holies, and ask and make petition for the fears and anxieties of life. And you see in this text a fervent prayer, not a safe or formal prayer. These are prayers you don't want anyone to hear. They're from the depths of your soul crying out in anguish to God. Our, our life group um, is going through this book right now called The Red Sea Rules. And um, it's the 10 God-given strategies for difficult times. And last Saturday night, we were going through it, and we were doing the subject of prayer. And it's all about the children of Israel getting up to the Red Sea, and they look behind them, and here comes the Egyptian army ready to pounce on them. And in that time, it talks about, in the scripture there, it said they cry out to God. And that's the way this prayer is. It's a crying out. It's an anguishing saying, God, help us. And so I've been challenged, even in my own prayer life, I get pretty, I can get very robotic in my prayer life. So I keep a little prayer journal. I take it very serious if you walk up to me and say, hey, pray about this. I mean, I'll I'll write it down in my prayer book so I can truly say I'm praying for it. But that also is bad on one hand because I can get very robotic, robotic about it. And I don't take it, you know, fervently to the Lord. And I think that's what this, this is what this prayer is. When you're going through anxiousness and you have your guard up, that prayer is a prayer of fervor to the Lord. You know, and it makes me so appreciative 
of our prayer team here at Hillside. You know, I don't know if you know this, but every Sunday at 8 a.m., there's a prayer team that gets together and prays specifically for any requests you send in. I appreciate um, Jennifer Zeb on our staff. Um, she takes in those requests. If you send a prayer request even on our website or send us an email, we get that on that prayer journal. And Jennifer's so diligent in getting it on there, and then she'll bug you. She'll, she'll keep following up and saying, hey, how did that prayer request go? Because we want to know. And I just appreciate this team. And at, before, that's another blessing of the pandemic is before we would get together, we'd do it in person. We maybe have two to five people show up. But now through Zoom and, and um, through technology, that group has grown to nine, 10 people, 15 people every Sunday morning. And I appreciate, if you know Alvin Zienge, I don't know if Alvin's in this service or not, but Alvin is just a prayer warrior, man. And he leads this group. I appreciate his heart for prayer, uh, how he organizes it. We have a little devotion beforehand, and then, you know, we pray through every request that's in there. And I appreciate, you know, um, people like Dave Goddard and Jeanette Sexton and Andrew Wishmeyer and Richard Staskis and Marilyn Greyer and you know, Sherry Baxter, uh, Shane Bender, you know, Pastor Daniel, Kelly Leach, all showing up and praying through every request. And what's been neat to see in that prayer journal is as we, Jennifer follows up with people, it's amazing to see answers to prayer over these last eight to nine months and how joyful it makes you when you see God answering prayers in our body. So that first guard is prayer. That second guard we must keep up is praise or being thankful. And how appropriate for this, you know, talking about that this weekend. And I always thought, and it was something I missed a lot when I look at these two verses, and when I first started meditating and memorizing it um, to help with worry, Paul puts in there, with thanksgiving, right in the middle of this. You know that word thanks actually it appears in the Bible 150 times in our Bible, though the phrase give thanks appears 33 times. So this attitude of gratitude just flows out of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It is like what I read this week about a British theologian wrote, that the surest sign that you are carrying a bucket full of water is wet feet. So when the bucket of our lives is filled by the Spirit of God and the Word of God, the water of thanksgiving will just spill out all around us. Full pails of water can't help but overflow. Have you been around someone lately that exhibits that? That their life of thanksgiving just outflows onto others? Someone once wrote, when we are filled with the Spirit of thanksgiving, we learn to count our blessings instead of our crosses. We learn to count our gains instead of our losses. We learn to count our joys instead of our woes. We learn to count our friends instead of our foes. We learn to count our smiles instead of our tears. We learn to count our courage instead of our fears. We learn to count our kind deeds instead of our mean ones. And we learn to count our health instead of our wealth. And we count on God instead of ourself. 
And I believe Paul adds this with thanksgiving in this text for three reasons. First, it's help us to remember the past. It helps us remember God's supply in the past. You think back over his faithfulness to you over this point and realize that his mercies have sustained you. He has been with you in every trial, and you can hold on to, what, on to that, that he never abandons or forsakes his children. You know, I've been reading through the Bible this year, and I have to admit I'm about 10 days behind, but I'm going to get through it. But one thing that's been amazing to see is you go through, especially the Old Testament, and go even into the prophets, they're always referring back to Egypt. Always referring to the children of Israel, remember what I did in Egypt and bringing you out and bringing you to the Red Sea. So constantly remembering what God has done. Second, when we pray with thanksgiving, we are submitting to God's sovereignty in the present. Not Not for just the God we see, but his character, his attributes, his nature. So we think of some of God's attributes, like for one is faithfulness. And I thought about this, especially this weekend. Um, when I walked on um, the baseball team um, in, at Liberty University when I was a freshman, I walked on and it was amazing the guys that were already on this team. And you know what they kept talking about was, hey, remember last year. Because last year was the first year the team had ever made it to the NAIA World Series. And they bring up a specific time where they said um, they were in the regionals. They lose the first game, and they have to win four straight games to make it to the World Series. And um, they, they go on, they get ready to play on Saturday. They got to win three straight to go. And they keep telling me the story that they're on the bus getting ready to walk off the bus to play three straight games and I'm really, I'm really dating myself now. But there was a, a, a um, Christian group called the Imperials. I mean, some of you maybe remember. But the Imperials had a song that was on the bus, and it said, um, uh, it was a song that said, we didn't, God didn't bring us this far to leave us. And they always talked about that song. That they got that song, and they walked off the bus, they won three straight games. I think my cousin hit four home runs in that game, and still a record at Liberty. But when I get on campus as a freshman, all these guys on the team say, we got to tell you this story. And you were always remembering going back to God's faithfulness, and they would bring that up. And the impact, I still have a text group that I text those guys this, this weekend and said, hey, I appreciate you know, your influence on my life and having me remember that God is faithful. And that little story did that. But there's other attributes. Um, um, his omniscience, his, he knows what is best for us. It goes back to, I think of the great theologian Garth Brooks and his, his song that if you remember, um, thank God for unanswered prayers. He was praying to marry this girl and realized that, boy, I'm glad God didn't answer that prayer. Because we have to trust God that he knows everything that we need. And his timing is best. And we can trust God his ult- for his ultimate plan. How about his omnipresence? That, we can, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. His omnipotence, that he is powerful and has defeated Satan through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and his blood on the cross. So looking at all those attributes of God, it gives us faith for the present too. And then lastly, when we pray with thanksgiving, 
It shows us we can trust in God's sufficiency for the future because we've seen how God has sustained us in the past and we know who he is in the present. We can trust him for the future no matter what we're facing. So prayer and praise are the perfect pathway from panic to peace. So if we keep our guard up with your two fists of prayer and praise, we can have a peace of God. And it says in the, in the scripture here, this peace is not a natural peace. It is a peace, as it says in the text, that passes all human understanding. A peace that is independent of circumstances. It is truly the presence of God. I love visiting the ocean. I, I just, we go on vacation. I'm always picking the ocean to go to. And I love, I love visiting the California coast. Because at the California coast, you can drive, what is it, Route 1 all the way up and down. But I love stopping and seeing the waves hit the rocks along that California coast. And think of, when I think of that, I think about when the waves of this life hit the rocks, they stay. And it's like what Jesus taught in Matthew 7, that if we build our life on the rock, and it says when the storms of life, when the storms of life and it didn't say if the storms of life. It says when the storms of life hit, we'll be like that rock and get through them. And it says, but if we have our life built on sand, if you love anything more than God, your life will be restless. You will always be anxious. And when tragedy hits, only a peace, the peace of God can provide that truly peace that you can get through. Even these last few months, um, um, our daughter Alyssa graduated with a young man at Keller High um, that was walking in, in uh, the middle of the day through Dallas um, and was struck by a drunk driver and was killed, 25 years old. Um, and we knew the family. Jill actually went to the funeral. Um, but to see what that family, but to see the faith of that family, that was the only thing that was going to get them through and having the peace of God through such a tragedy. Even this weekend, uh, a young man that was in our youth group 20 years ago reached out to me and his father had uh, his dad, probably my age, around my age, you know, had a heart attack and passed away this weekend. And he called me, they had to take him off life support yesterday. So you see those kind of things and you go through those type of things. God is the only, is the place, only place to provide peace when you're going through something like that. So no matter what you're going through today, what concerns you have with being exposed to COVID or your family being exposed to COVID, a loss of a job or your business and, and where it's going to be able to survive these times, I want to encourage you to keep your guard up. Pray like you have never prayed before with zeal and fervor. You know, and as the, as the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And praise him, remembering what he has done in the past and who you are putting your faith in and trust in him for the future. And maybe you're here today or you're watching online and you don't have that peace of God. 
that it says surpasses all understanding. I believe you're here today or listening online or watching online for a reason. Well, you can have that peace of God today. You know, as we close our service today, you can pray and say, Father, I know I'm a sinner. And I believe you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. And, and I believe he rose from the dead to give me victory over death. And you can say that today and accept Jesus into your heart and ask the Holy Spirit to direct your life from here on. So to close, we are going to take a few moments, and if you're online or here in the auditorium, we're just going to spend a few minutes, just have some silent prayer. And maybe you're with your family or you just want to do it by, by yourself, but maybe you need to pray that prayer to ask Jesus into your life. You don't have that peace of God. Or maybe you want to just gather your family or, or, or just gather for a few moments here and confess some anxiousness you've had in your life and pray and thank God for his faithfulness in the past and praise him for who he is in the present and, and declare that you're going to trust him in the future. So let's spend some time. I know um, just a few minutes we're going to, um, Zing, Zung's going to play a little bit and uh, we're going to um, just have some time for you to think through that. If you're anxious about something, especially if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, I encourage you to pray that prayer and do that today. But just want you to take some time to pray through that. Then I'm going to have my wife Jill come up and um, we're just going to close the service because she's with me all weekend. I said, hey, can you close the service? So she's going to come up and just sing and help, just have us sing one verse and chorus of an old hymn. Uh, it's a song written by Horatio Spafford. And if you don't know the story of him, in 1873, Horatio sent his wife, Anna, and their four daughters across to England. And they, they were on a steamship, and another ship struck their ship, and 226 people lost their lives. Anna, his wife, was found unconscious floating on a plank of wood, and when she arrived in England, Anna sends a telegram to Horatio saying, saved alone. And Horatio immediately boarded the ship, sailed to England to be with his wife, and as he sailed across the Atlantic, the captain of the ship there said, hey, do you want to go out front, and this is the place where your four daughters passed away. And as he was contemplating and thinking through this, he wrote one of the hymns that we sing all the time, It Is Well With My Soul. So we just want to spend some time here. I hope you'll take some time just to think through, what have I been fearful? What have I been anxious about? And I just ask you to spend some time alone, quiet, in your heart, and just spend some time praying and thanking God, knowing he's not going to leave you. And then Jill will come up and close close. All right. Thank you. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father God, we, um, we think of the times that we live in today and the anxiousness and the fear that can be around us, Lord, but you've called us, Lord, to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to pray like we've never prayed before. 
with a fervor and zeal. You've called us to be thankful with thanksgiving, knowing what you've done in the past and who you are will get us through the future. So I just pray for anyone here today that doesn't have that peace and prayed that prayer to accept you as Savior, Lord, that, that they would um, just let just begin to walk and let the Holy Spirit lead their lives. I just pray for us as Christ followers that we would show, Lord, that peace that we have in you because of what you have done for us on the cross. And I just thank you for your love and your grace and appreciate again, Lord, your just direction in our lives. We just thank you and praise you for our time together. Just pray again that we would be a light in this world, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. We're not quite done yet because we're going to transition really quick um, from Thanksgiving to the Advent season. And so today's the beginning of Advent, and um, we're going to light our first candle this week. Today. You can see it. I'm a real griller. You can tell that. There we go. So this is the purple candle that we light this first Sunday of Advent. And it's the candle of hope. Actually, it's the candle of the prophets, and it represents hope. Because in the Advent season, the prophets of the Old Testament were looking in hope for the Messiah to come, for Jesus to come. Well, for us, this is the hope and faith that we point, that we put in trust that Jesus will return someday. And there will not be any fear. There will not be any sorrow. There will not be any pandemic. There will, be no, there will not be any sickness. And so as we light and think about the Christmas season, we're kind of, Christmas is about the only holiday I like. You know what I mean? I spent all day yesterday putting lights up because my wife wants me to. But it's, I love doing it because it's the one holiday I don't mind putting lights up because it's a celebration of that grace that Jesus has bestowed on us. So I hope as we go this forth this week and we begin this Christmas season, it'll be a special Christmas season for you and that you think about the hope that Jesus gives us because of what him coming to this earth and dying on a cross for our sins. So I hope you have a great rest of the weekend. Hope um, you have a great day and uh, we'll look forward to continuing this Advent season the next few weeks. You're dismissed. Thank you.